2: So what's our bit now, though? We have another one, Kenan? I don't
0: know. I don't have one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Science Podcast, a podcast with three highly qualified professionals pick a movie in the pick of science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crosson.
2: I'm Michael Pace.
0: I have a very funny bit to bring us into this, like, brand new year, and these boys uh, didn't like it, so we started over. So I'm going to go to Sean. That's not true. I loved it. I'm going to go to Sean. Don't put that on me. And Sean's going to give us the bit for our opener. Um, Good.
1: Strong start. So I need a bit? I can't yeah, just yeah. say, like, hi, I'm Sean. I'm, like, the scientist that keeps the show together. Um, welcome. You say that, but our steam has really slowed down since I passed you the ball. Okay, what if I just... Okay, okay, here we go. I'll just sing Back in the Saddle again, and that'll be, like, a New Year's thing.
2: Okay, that's a, that's like right. a unique approach. Let's okay. see what it takes. All right, all here we go. So, do, you, uh, do you need point, to drop...
1: In? Well, no, just point of order. I do okay. only know the words... Back in the saddle again from the song. Okay. That's it. <laughs> okay. So the rest I'm just going to like scat, I guess, because that's kind of what Steve Tyler does. Okay, that's true. Okay, so like here we go. S- Skippity ba bop boop 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 boop. boop, boop, boop. Bada. Mm-hmm. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> wow. Toronto. (laughs) It's
0: 2019. We're back in the saddle, and Real Science Cast is coming at you bigger than ever, and uh, with more energy on this Wednesday night in January. How's everybody doing tonight? How is everybody doing tonight? (laughs) Yeah, that's right, Sean. Just call me Steve. Uh, that's right, Aerosmith fans. We've got Steve here in the studio.
1: Yeah.
0: Are there Aerosmith fans? Whoa! 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 <laughs> wow! Face, whoa! whoa. Oh, Hold on!
1: Don't alienate an entire group of listeners just yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can't. It's 2019. We can't just alienate
2: all of America. Am I right? Oh! I didn't know that our fan base had an overlap with Aerosmith fandom. Of course.
0: The all scientists are Aerosmith
2: fans. I yeah, think everyone knows important. that. That checks out. Um,
0: we are a science podcast, and we watch movies, and we talk about If This is your first time listening to us in 2019. We're a science podcast that watches movies, and we complain about the science of them. Or we say that the science is very good, like in the case of one of the more recent episodes, Inside Out, where we watched uh, an imaginary friend uh, help his best friend, Happy, Uh, do a good job, and bring a little girl back to life. (laughs) That was pretty
1: good, yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. that movie was scientifically Or we could watch
1: a movie, say, like um, The Happening, which I actually forgot that we watched until one of my lab mates brought it up because it was so bad, (laughs) uh, where the science is awful, and we'll, you know, make jokes about it because it's so bad. (laughs) Hey, uh, now that we're uh, back in the saddle again, hitting the ground running.
0: Yeah! Got another thing coming. Pace... Would yeah. you like to do our, the disclaimers? And I want you to know that the disclaimers that you're about to do right now are going to set the tone for the disclaimers for the rest of the year. So I hope
2: they're good. Yeah. I want them All to right. be flawless. I
1: want these to okay. be like 2019 in their prime disclaimers pace.
2: Right. Okay. All right. So if you're going to listen to the Real Science cast, this is probably what you should know. And then you should know that we are three brilliant scientists with PhDs True. in varying life science fields with the greatest levels of bde that you could ever want and so based upon that here's what you can expect from our show you can expect outrageous levels of profanity a you can expect uh outrageous levels of good good science commentary b you can expect c uh the levels of maturity that you might expect from I don't know, like your tween who's really trying, real hard. Yeah,
0: we're tweens. We're a bunch of tweens. Yeah.
2: Um. And aside from that, you can expect to laugh your arse off. And with with those expectations, come into our show and just take a take a nice, comfy seat and and stare at our lava lamp of 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 just really good content.
0: Um. Did you talk about? I was drinking my scotch. You talk about how we're gonna say fuck a lot.
1: Yeah, he, he I
2: did, did
0: say
1: that we use a lot of profanity
0: Okay, cool, I just wanted I did, to I say covered word, that
1: I just wanted to say the word fuck, to be honest Oh, okay Oh, okay, that's sort of one way to work that in to the show So this week we watched the movie
0: Mimic uh, Starring a lot of different people And I'm sure someone else is pulling up the IMDB page right now But it was written, uh, directed by uh, your best friend Guillermo del Toro And I thought it was really funny that like a movie that was made a very long time ago is like from the creator of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> That's what it said isn't that, on Amazon. Isn't that funny? I was really
2: shocked. Uh. Yeah, yeah. But um, in case people are wondering, uh, this movie does star uh, Mira Sorvino as Dr. Su- Dr. Susan Tyler. Oh, she's so cute. Jerry- Jeremy Northam as Dr. Peter Mann, <laughs> Alexander Goodwin as Chewie, mm-hmm. and uh, Giancarlo Gian- Giannini as Manny.
0: I like him a lot. He's a very good actor. Uh, Josh
2: Brolin is also yeah, dude. Josh Brolin also plays like just a guy named Josh. Yeah, he (laughs) did not give his last name. So
1: great. (laughs) He's just a guy named Josh. And then Charles Uh, S. Dutton plays Leonard. uh,
0: Yeah. Also importantly, uh, Norman Reedus uh, is in this movie very very briefly. uh, He plays one of the um, uh, what is it? The wastewater workers in New York or wherever the fuck this takes
1: place. So I guess Mm -hmm. because it's a new year, we should probably explain how we do the plot summary just real briefly. Mm -hmm. Please, Sean. What we do, listeners, is the three of us are going to roll a 20-sided die, colloquially known as a D20. You two are. Well, did you do the plot last time? I did. Okay, so Pace and I are going to roll a D20. Mm -hmm. Whoever gets the highest roll has to do the plot.
2: Unless it's a 20.
1: Then you don't have to do it. Then the other person has to. And if you get a one, you you automatically have to do it. That's correct. So if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you'll be more familiar with the system. But uh, if you haven't, that's how we do it. So Pace, do you have your d20 ready to go? Yes, I do, Sean. All right. Oh, wow. (laughs) Let's roll them. Oh,
2: that's a nat 20 wow are you are you fracking kidding me that <laughs> he
0: just picked his dice up and showed it to us showed us a number 20 i mean i was I like i could do that you're right. right
1: but like i think we're working on the honor system here i rolled a 20
0: <laughs> no this is this is a lawless a lawless land
2: i got a three.
1: Oh, good um, well wow. that would have been a great roll if i didn't roll a 20 so pace yeah
2: right yeah sure would have
1: why don't you hit us with that quick five to ten minute movie summary
2: It's going to be quick. Let's
1: do
0: five minutes. That sounds great to me. about five?
1: That sounds good, right? A tight five. A tight five?
2: Yes. The premise of this movie is that there is a debilitating disease. I don't know if they give it a name or not. But the point is is that uh, it's killing all the children. Uh, This movie takes place in New York City. It's killing all the children in New York City. And it's spread by cockroaches. And so what these two scientists decide to do, one of them is an entomologist. um, And what they decide to do is basically create this genetically modified super bug whose secretions uh, basically have the power to kill a bunch of roaches. Uh, And they release these super bugs into the sewers, which is where all the cockroaches live. Mission success. It kills the roaches. Uh, Mm -hmm. They eradicate the disease. And a lot of children's lives are saved. And this is very exciting.
1: And when you say super bugs, Pace, you mean actual bugs, not like the. Uh...
2: I don't mean like I don't mean bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Right. No. Right. I I mean actual like huge bugs. Just like the that the OG version of super bug. The OG version of super bug, or like Adam ant.
0: You also don't mean Adam ant either.
2: I don't mean Adam ant. I don't mean the tick. Um, yeah. Any other variant of a of a a big a big bug man? I don't mean Ant Man. I don't mean the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, you
0: also don't mean um, uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum midway through his transformation in the hit movie The Fly.
1: <laughs> though I would also call that a super bug, <laughs> but just not for this movie. Do you mean Flick
2: though? Uh, Shit! No, no, Space.
1: Yes. Sorry to interrupt you because now Kenan just won't no, stop. Wait, but, uh...
2: the Amazon Prime, the Amazon Prime show isn't it? Isn't it the tick? Oh uh,
0: yeah, no, I said, I said, Flick, who is the the star of the show? You mean of of of, of, the, of
2: the movie, uh, a classic Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm. Animated film, a bugs, a bug's life, life or yes. Hopper? Definitely well, not is, Hopper. This is nothing. No, this is or Hopper. Okay. This <laughs> or is nothing. All right. Here we go. Here we go. And <laughs> I'm so just reading so the IMDb page. We have a bug's life. these great, great bugs that were genetically modified to have the DNA of a mantid and a termite to just kill all these roaches carrying this bad disease. Things are fine. They're going great for like three years. It's good. It's basically, right? paradise. It's really good. Paradise in New York. Yeah. Paradise in New York City in 1997, which is when all the good things were happening. As good as it gets. Yeah, and so in this time, uh, three years later, uh, the entomologist is continuing her practice, looking at all these good bugs with wings and legs and creepy crawlies, and an issue arises, mm-hmm. and that's that some of these kids who collect bugs and sell them to her found this really strange bug. These like the strange bug. Very hood kids. <laughs> these super hood kids. <laughs> with these hood kids. The hooders they come. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, huge the, teeth. The kid does have big teeth. He does, but that's, a, that's that's cute, though. It's fine. They find one of these bugs, mm-hmm. these super bugs that should have died off a long time ago because these bugs were designed to be sterile. And so this really sets the entomologist off. She's freaking out. Uh, and so her kind of posse is like her husband who kind of like helped her kill all the bad bugs or sorry, helped her kill all the cockroaches initially. And there's a few other side characters uh, like this small child, this kid who like has this kind of strange ability to mimic things. And so he ends up kind of like actually making friends with these super bugs. But um, I would say the rest of the course of the film follows the quest of the entomologist and her party to get rid of the super bugs, which have basically built a colony beneath New York city. And this colony consists of a large number of these super bugs that have grown and evolved at an outrageous rate to become human-sized. And they are completely murderous. Like, they've, they're they killing humans throughout this entire movie. They're hungry um, for flesh. They're hungry for flesh. And so, uh, basically what happens is that the entomologist and her party of followers uh, goes into the dungeon that is the New York City sewers. And they encounter the big bad, which is all of these super bugs, these mutated bugs that have basically evolved to kill humans so to speak, and uh, they're trying to save New York City from this colony of bugs arising and taking over humanity. Um, The movie ends with the uh, entomologist's husband. Uh, He basically finds a way to – he finds a, um, a gas pipe and then essentially finds the big nest where all of the bugs are and he lights a match and blows the shit out of all the entire New York City sewer system. Um, and that's kind of the, really the end of the movie. That's all that really happens.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like most of the movie is a big bug hunt with like tension being uh, built by spooky things in the shadows. And can we hide from the bugs by smearing their body parts on us?
2: It it does have like some classic horror elements in this film. the the um the camera work and the music and the sound effects are definitely horror ish.
0: I actually like the cinematography yeah. in this movie. Like, I know this is not critique time, but that was like one of the first things that I noticed. At uh, being an early like Guillermo del Toro movie, it was like, oh, parts of this movie are like really well done. It's just that. Well, we'll t- we can talk
2: about how good the movie is later. We'll-, we'll talk about it at the end. Yeah, I have some things to say about that, too. But th- this is the part. This is the good part. This is the meat of the show, right? Voice, where are we going to talk about some of the science that is brought up and whether it good or it whether it bad. Mm-hmm.
0: This is that good bug meat that we're going to get into. You know, it really bugs me when you use so many uh, analogies.
2: It makes my skin crawl. Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. I don't have I don't have all a right, pun stop, for you. You're right. Um, let's stop
0: shitting around. Chit wait, right. around. I let's just said sh- the word. I didn't even say the pun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That was that was that was I a non pun. Alright, guys, we have to talk about the initial premise of this entire mm-hmm. movie. The fact that they're able to genetically modify these bugs, which in the movie I think they say they splice together. Uh, mantis and termite DNA in order to make this super. That's bug. right. Did not even follow how that was a
0: thing.
2: Oh, me neither. I they 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 don't explain it at all. They say we combine the DNA of a mantid and a termite uh, to create the the Judas breed. Right? They call it the Judas breed. Um,
1: yeah, the Judas breed of ultimate cockroach mm, killing yes. bugs, which like. All right, Kenan, do you have any thoughts on this before I start talking about it? I don't want to...
0: <laughs> My thoughts are that I really wish the movie hadn't tried to run with this, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> I feel like they basically took the Jurassic Park style like premise of how they were able to like, re-clone dinosaurs by like splicing dinosaur DNA did. with frog yes. DNA. They like, took that whole thing and were basically like, Ran with it, but they gave even less explanation than Jurassic Park did, which like as inaccurate as Jurassic Park was, they tried to give an explanation. And this movie, they were like, we took a termite and we took a mantis and we spliced them together, which is just a big black box of like science. Uh, mumbo yep. jumbo, yeah. And then we came out with a killer bug. It's like, doesn't I, I don't know sense. if like
0: it, it came off to me as if they had sort of written parts of certain parts of the movie and then save the justification for last because she talks about termites in the movie like uh mira sorvino uh dr susan tyler excuse me talks about uh termites within the movie and with like within the context of they were here long before we were building castles while we were still crawling in the dirt or whatever (laughs) it was she says and and there's within that scene she's like yeah and you know they don't Kill insects don't kill each other. They bring them, like they bring their prey back to their homes to feed upon their bodies. Uh, and then I think that's the justification for the termite. And then the one for the praying mantis is praying mantises have really scary arms. Yeah, that sounds good. Put it in the movie. They're, they're killing they're, they're machines. They're fucking murderous <laughs> assholes. Let's put them in the movie. Yeah. I guess it's
2: also maybe worth noting that they point out that it's the it's the secretions of of these, these big bugs mm-hmm. uh, that were basically infected with the enzyme that caused their metabolism to go into overdrive, right? And so, like, and so no matter how much the cockroaches ate, like, every member of the nest starved to death in a matter of hours. But I guess the, the, there are certain, like, species of, of, uh, of mantises that uh, will, like... Mantids. Sorry, mantids, yes. Uh, that will secrete, like, this, like, this, like, foam liquid that covers their egg sac and, like, protects it. But that's the closest thing mm. that I could find to, like, a secretion. That, be great at a party. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess if you're <sighs> into hardened uh. eggs. Oh, <laughs> boy. I mean, who's not? Let's be serious. Everyone uh. likes a nice hard egg. Oof.
1: Mm. A lot of challenging mm, concepts. Maybe we should have had a content warning for this episode. But so I guess basically what I – the point I wanted to get across with this is – They just don't really say anything, right? Like they don't give any explanation. I think it falls
0: into – and we get a lot of questions about like pet peeves for movies and what do science movies do wrong the most. And in a very niche way, I would say that quote-unquote genetic splicing themes uh, will very often, especially in older films, go like – Cheetahs are fast. We spliced it with a cheetah and now it can run fast.
1: Yeah. Like they take some prominent trait and just assume that like, oh yeah, we put the DNA there. So there it is.
2: (laughs) It's so bad. That is one of the worst things with scientific films. It is one of the worst things. And then the other worst thing is that they take, they take like general traits and just call it like a gene. Like in this movie, they say, oh, we Mm -hmm. use the suicide gene, which is bullshit, right?
0: Well there is a, there's a thing right. called a suicide gene.
2: Well, yeah, that not well okay, so the, the the behavioral suicide could maybe be like triggered in maybe certain insects where evolutionarily it's advantageous for them to kill themselves.
0: That's their implication, but they took the like principle of a suicide gene which in genetics is when you introduce a gene into a cell that will cause it to kill itself via apoptosis. So like the classical way of Looking at this is for tumors, which I'm sure Sean can speak about because he's an oncologist yes. uh, where you would introduce a gene into a tumor cell <laughs> yeah. uh, that would produce an enzyme in order to uh, basically make it so that it kills itself. Right. So like it recruits natural killer
1: cells or something like that. So
2: but that doesn't, it doesn't happen at the organismal no, for organismal sure. level. So
1: the concept of expressing a gene that will cause the cell to die is definitely like something that can be done. It's just the, the way they use it in movies is like the worst get out of jail free card that you could yes. have ever imagined because it never actually works the way they thought right, it was exactly. going to for some reason. They're always like, but we had the contingency plan of the suicide, Gina. It's like, oh, but life finds a way every time. <laughs> like, I don't know why. They're like, "Oh, yeah, we were able to splice this thing so fucking good that it went on a killing rampage, but the one thing we also put in there just doesn't work that would have stopped it. like it's always <laughs> just it's like the perfect storm of shitty genetic splicing that these movies Which, always, like kill from, the, from the from the inside
0: that. from the inside of science is such a really like hilarious thing to think about because." There's a lot of justification for things like that in this movie, where like science has gone too far, and like there's a character that's al- always shakes the scientists and and screams at them something like "You never should have played God." Have when done? in like reality, we can't <laughs> get fucking normal studies funded, so like there's no way anything like this would happen.
1: <laughs> right? It's I mean, also like I don't know. I guess the the concept of like killing a cell, like there are bacterial cells that make like toxins like when people say the like the word toxin sometimes they use that as like a hand wavy term for like not sure. real things but there are real like toxins like diphtheria, the bacteria makes diphtheria toxin and like botulism makes botulism toxin and if you put that dna into a human cell and expressed it then you would make the toxin and yep. the cell would die so like that is something that is thought to be used in some context for like cancer but it's not like an actual thing that people do yet because we're just not there technology wise yeah, sure. yet. I mean sa- really safety wise yeah. like that could be very yeah. problematic. Agreed. So, what's the next topic in this movie?
2: I think the pe- that the next thing that is logical to address is, is like the, the conversation that goes around surrounding the reemergence of these super bugs.
1: You mean like the ph strip space
0: <laughs> the 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 investigation that leads to her realization that these
2: were the yes. the, the
1: super bugs the critical analysis performed by uh mm. dr entomologist <laughs> in here.
2: yes yeah sean why don't you talk about what happens in in the lab as the entomologist is okay discovering this is one of these super bugs
1: i'm go over this really quick because it was a very quick Please study do. that she did um <laughs> The pH strips, okay, so most of you are probably familiar with the concept of pH. Like if a solution is acidic or basic, then it has either a low pH or a high pH. It's just a measurement of the like acidity of a solution. But for those of you that have ever had like a fish tank or a hot tub, you've probably used a pH test strip. It's literally just a piece of paper with some colored dyes on it that change color depending on what the pH level is of the solution. So in this movie uh for some reason <laughs> uh doctor entomologist gets a like sample of the uh judas bug and dabs a pH strip in it and then there's a dramatic moment <laughs> Where she like lines it up with another old pH strip and they have the same color and she just like the camera pans up and she's like, my My God, God. (laughs) it's very like that was her diagnostic criteria for determining whether or not the Judas, the bug that she just found was from the strain three years ago. We
0: are fucking stupid for not inviting an entomologist onto the show for this one. For one thing, I couldn't remember what mimic was about. I didn't know it was about
1: insects. Uh, well, it's also we don't know yeah, an we, entomologist, so it, it yeah, it would we be don't impossible any. for us to so, invite one onto the show. Like I don't know how we'd bring one on no, the show. That would be really difficult.
2: We have to cold we contact would, and I, don't, I don't
0: know how we would go through the trouble of finding an entomologist. Is not only funny but also attractive. Um, I cannot imagine. Well, we'd have to find one that listens to the show,
2: right? Yeah, and so that's true. the hard part. And supports us, you right?
0: Know? Probably enough narrow casting uh, but the point is is that um, okay I can't imagine any scenario for almost anything other than testing a hot tub where a pH strip would be a satisfactory conclusion for anything
1: Well especially because she gives some like, response to her husband in the movie like there's only two species of insect in the world that have that ph and she's like one is like a bug in africa and the other one is the strain we released right oh my here God. and i'm like the ph of living organisms especially there's so many freaking insects there's so many goddamn types of insects some of them have to have very similar phs especially from the well, point that you can detect with a, with pH, a pH test strip, it's not yeah. that accurate, you know? Like, you're getting a range of pH. And you test
0: it once.
1: <laughs> once, yeah. And like, it's not like you're te- like, oh, this one is a pH of 7.2 and this one is a pH of 7.1. Like, you, when you do a pH test strip, you're getting like, oh, this is like seven point something. Right. Like, it's like low 7, high 7. You, you know? and,
0: and not only that, but like, you're comparing it with a chart. Like you're literally looking at an example chart of of what the pH strip might look at. Look oh, like. different yeah. colors. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I will. A couple things. One, I don't. I never trusted the pH meter in my own lab. I always thought it was at least at least a few a few decimal places off. At least because everyone else, everyone there in mom is mm. using it. Who knows what's in that? But also, second thing. How did the bug from Africa get all the way to New York? I don't get. Well,
0: I think she was just have trying to them. drive home a point. Like I'm sure have that if <laughs> I'm sure that Wait, if for one voice? second that she thought that this was that bug bug from Africa, she would have been able to identify it. Oh, without cutting it open.
2: <laughs> I was trying to make a bad joke.
1: Oh, it was bad. Well, okay. what happened was um, <laughs> she opened her big book of bug pHs mm-hmm. and she just like looked up what pHs. Yeah, hey, Sean, can I can
2: I borrow out... your your big old book of bug fuzz, please? Fuh. Yeah, it's pho. Some oh. people confuse it for like... No, that's what you're eating right now, pho. For, some people confuse it for a, a nice noodle dish, but no, nah, a bug pho. A bug pho so book. So,
1: I'm not an entomologist, so I don't have a big book of bug
2: pages, <laughs> but I'm sure there's one that
0: exists I somewhere. Hope so. <laughs> I'm going to Google that while you guys oh. think of the next thing we should talk about in this movie.
2: So, I think that the next thing that we should talk about is... We... Obviously, there are some, evolutionarily, some evolutionary implications for this film. They talk about how the metabolism of these superbugs was just through the roof to where it was producing new generations at the rate at which could lead to evolutionary changes that de- led to the development of these like human-sized superbugs that have organs
0: yeah
1: whole like organs lungs.
2: Mm-hmm. and it's pretty bizarre in this film,
1: I'm pretty sure she's so she as a comparison in the movie, doesn't she say that like it took? I think it was forty thousand. She says it took 40,000... She does quantify it, yes. Generations for monkeys to evolve into humans, like they're breeding so fast, like who knows what could have happened?
2: Yeah, right? I mean it's very it's very it? hand wavy. I mean, I it, because but, well, what go ahead, Ken? <laughs> so
0: my thing is is that like even so even with this. Yes, like in a vacuum, evolution works because of pressures over se- like th- thousands of generations. Yes. But in the case of this movie, those pressures are still happening in real time. Even in, if right, we imagine exactly. some scenario where these things are like replicating at an insane speed, the rest of the world is still moving at the same goddamn pace. Like.
1: <laughs> right. So the pressures aren't like it's the same that it was right, before. Right. You could go through generations of no selection
0: at all.
2: It was, things right. would stay the same. It'd stay the same. I mean, yes, they are out in the world, but they're also only in the New York City sewer. There's only so many conditions that can change in the New York City sewer. Right. Right. That could, that could drive evolution.
1: Like, there are organisms that, like alligators and stuff, that are very ancestral, basically. Like, they're thought that their common ancestor is pretty similar to the way that they look in modern day. Right. And that's because they haven't had to evolve in order to, like, adapt to the current ecosystem. They're they're pretty good at
2: surviving as is. Right. They were Uh already
1: good at surviving. So if there's no pressure for something to evolve, then it doesn't happen because there is, like, that is the driving factor of evolution. Mm -hmm. And also, (laughs) if it took 40,000 generations, even if they have a new generation every single day... That it was only three years, yeah. That's not 40,000 no. days, no, <laughs> that's like a thousand days, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that just doesn't make any sense for the timeline, yeah. And they say breeding
0: <laughs> pattern, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, but like, oh, we ex- ex- expedited their breeding, like their breeding speed, okay, sure, but that means that they would have to grow from fertile adults, uh, to fertile adults from being an infant in that amount of time, until they were able to breed, which means they would be growing at an, an insane rate. and there's no way that these bugs would able be able to consume enough calories within a couple of minutes that they're becoming adults in order to replicate.
1: Right. Like, they wouldn't be able to even consume that energy, and in the movie, there's just egg sacs with, like, babies incubating in them all over the place. Like, they would be, like, fucking hatching every second, yeah. you know? Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. That also brings us to the point of this movie, which honestly, quite honestly, like was a really cool concept, but was only explored in so far that it was the name of the movie. But the fact that these bugs have these forearms that they cover their uh, actual bug faces with that look like sort of human faces. And the way that this is explained in the movie is that, oh, some bugs will mimic their predators in order to uh, remain undetected. Which, okay, sure. we'll just,
2: just... Is kind of sometimes true. Yes. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll run with that. But the fact remains that these bugs would require the pressure of the only way that the future generations of these bugs survive would be that they somehow resemble humans. And that means there would have to have been enough trial and error for the bugs that only sort of look like people. And then the, another bug that looks more like a person over and over and over and over and over again. And in order for that to happen, like, all of New York would know that these fucking bugs exist.
2: Right. Right, right.
0: People would have been killing giant bugs left and right.
1: Right. Like, they wouldn't evolve to disguise themselves as their predators if the predators weren't even – it wasn't – humans weren't their predator like it doesn't make any sense yeah. yeah they weren't hunting them they weren't
2: killing them a forced plot point for sure right because they didn't know that they even existed at, at what point were humans their predators yeah they were introduced yeah, never like no, the, and then, the then, of the then they the evolved end, the
1: end of the movie. like yeah they, at the end of yeah. the movie when they killed all of them at once and guess right. what
0: <laughs> it didn't work because every time they saw one it's not oh is that a person it's like that's fucking weird and terrifying and
1: i don't know what yeah. that is right <laughs> it's like oh that thing's going to murder me exactly <laughs> like,
2: but we should also just kind of briefly mention how about how these bugs have lungs oh, among yeah, we other should. organs. Yes. And, and, yes. No, and in case people didn't know, insects don't have lungs. Okay. And what? in order to uh? make that, I know, and that sort of evolutionary leap is not going to happen in three years. I don't care how fast, how, how many, how many generations you're creating, you're not going to develop lungs. It's it's more it's more about the. The increase in the size necessary and the fact that like the the system that bugs have which is like a i, I think it's like some sort of like trachea they have that like uh where they absorb air they, they like get airflow through their abdomen um that that then supplies them with oxygen but it's, it's not going to happen that quick
0: that that is correct they have uh, a, a, a ser- the series of tubes that run out through the respiratory. A series of tubes? <laughs> <laughs> respiratory systems are called trachea. <laughs> Wait, are bugs just the internet Stop. <laughs> We're not doing Al Gore here. Uh, but the, uh, so if you ever look at the side of a grasshopper, like they have these uh, small holes in the side that are known as sphericals. Uh, those tiny tubes run away from those and then into their open body plan. Uh, and that allows them to effectively diffuse oxygen through their
1: body and and because bugs are so small they also don't have like a circulatory system like humans do so you know how humans have like veins and arteries and like a heart to like pump blood all over the place it's not that bugs don't have any circulatory system but it's very minimal Mm -hmm. because they have an exoskeleton and they just have a bunch of fluid inside them
0: yeah a lot of longer bugs have like what is effectively a heart that is a pulsating organ that is allow- allows right. them to sort of slosh that liquid back and forth to carry the oxygen
1: around.
2: Mm, right, sloshing. they don't have
1: like the same level of like blood vessels and stuff, but that also means that if you pierce a hole in the exoskeleton of an insect, uh, they're just leaking like a lot of blood, Can like just there's no way to close it off. Mm. Yes, yes, Kenan, lots of fluids. Deal. So, like, you'd think when they're fighting these bugs, if they just poked a hole in their exoskeleton, they would just, like, goosh out everywhere and die. For sure,
0: and uh, and to Pace's point, like, the thing that is said in this movie is that, oh, the reason why bugs can't get huge is because they don't have lungs, which, like, isn't true. It, 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 well, it's kind of true, I guess we should say. Like, we talked about It's not this. the only reason. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> lungs don't magically fix it, but... Uh, the idea that available oxygen does limit insect body body size isn't, is correct uh, and that's because larger bugs need to diffuse that oxygen further into their bodies. So the bigger a bug gets, the less likely it's able to pull that oxygen all the way in with the current body plan that bugs use. Um, now, maybe if we knew uh, an attractive entomologist that supported us and likes our show and listens to us, they could talk about the differences between uh, larger bugs and smaller bugs and how that works. But, you know, that's just not what we study. So I guess we can't cover it. Who is yeah, that? Though? I, mean, I, I We're
1: just shit out of luck. Yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah. that's why we don't get really giant bugs is because they can't carry oxygen to
1: the little baby bodies because they don't have lungs. Baby like the bodies. Bugs. They don't have lungs and they don't have a like... A system that would be able to transport the oxygen into blood like deeper through their body. Yeah, into their tissues. They don't have anything that they need.
2: That's how that works. That's how it works, and now you know. That's how Uh, a sausage gets made. There's one more thing that we should talk about before we move on to ratings, and that is the scent glands.
1: Mm, The scent glands. Alright, Pace, tell me about these gross, gross bug scent glands. Well,
2: in case you didn't know, Sean, uh, bugs use smell as a way to identify both predators and other bugs.
1: What get get out of town?
2: I know. So that, that actually part sense. actually was, is true. They did actually get that right. The entomologist is right when she said, "Oh, they'll recognize them as one of our own, and we can cover this good juice all over our faces and our bodies." And uh, so Gross. what they do, they take out the scent glands of the bugs, and they get all the good. The good uh, secretions and they rub it, and um, I think that this is—I think this is okay. In the movie, I still think it's unlikely that the odor of being like a a human itself would would be sufficient, or it wouldn't overpower the actual uh, smell of the scent Grant secretion. But what do you think, Kenan?
0: Honestly, the one major thing that I take issue with that, uh, like this assertion in this movie is that I don't think the scent glands are used amongst insects to recognize one another. And I know that's fucking pedantic, but scent glands, I think classically in insectum are used to interact with, uh, predators for the most part. Um, so like okay. the best example of this would be like the milkweed, bl- uh bug that, uh, has scent glands on its side, uh, that secrete a variety of substances, including things like whatever the molecule is that they concentrate by eating milkweed uh, that can, will actually fucking kill you. Um, but you get a preview of the, pre- uh, the idea is that predators should get a preview of that from the scent glands. The fact that, oh, fuck, I shouldn't eat that because it will kill me. But mm-hmm. you talked about briefly how bugs might recognize one another uh, with pheromones. I don't think those are things that are released from what would be called scent glands.
2: I don't know the answer to that question.
1: I know that in, like, mammals, like, mice release them in their urine. Yeah. um, But I don't know exactly how that will work with insects. I mean, I would say that the thing is, all of this could be feasible, that insects are producing this. But I think the most infeasible part is what Pace already pointed out, that rubbing it on your human body does not eliminate your human scent. Like, Mm -hmm. I think they would be like, oh, it smells like more of us, which are, they're already surrounded by... They already are getting a lot of smells of themselves, right? Right, because they're because, surrounded
2: by their own egg sacs right. and, you know, other other factors there.
1: It might help, like, limit how far, like, how far they can be away from you before mm-hmm. they can detect it. But if they're standing next to you, you think they'd be like, something is different here. Like
2: Yeah, and we had the scenario in the film where the, uh, the entomologist's husband, I forget his name, who cares, He's trying to. Doctor Man. Doctor Man. Yeah. Sorry. He's trying to like start up that old subway car they find down in the sewers, and one of the big bugs just like crosses literally within inches of his face. Like he's, they're not gonna miss that.
1: Also, like these bugs have evolved to hunt humans, and do they not have eyes? They have fucking lungs. They can't. They do have. It looks like they do have eyes.
2: Yeah. Right. So can they
1: not see? Like that's that's a good point good point yeah it just doesn't it it kind of doesn't check out part for me yeah
0: yeah for real i i think that that is even more accentuated by the fact that one of our beloved characters uh played by giancarlo giannini is wearing the ode de cockroach and rubs it after he rubs it all over his face and there's a scene where he just like wipes it off both cheeks and his forehead in order to, like, once he confronts his son, who he finds down in the sewers, and then just by removing it from those three places on his body, a bug finds him and destroys him.
1: Yeah. Man. It's pretty ridiculous. I did not
0: find a big book of bug PHs, but there are a lot of books out there called The Big Book of Bugs. Um,
2: I would appreciate <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. We should go into ratings. Yeah. We rate I was, this well, so boy.
0: what I wanted to say first is that if anybody would want to order a big book, big book of bugs for us, you can actually
1: send it to PO box. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's a shame. The PO box uh, got cut off there, but I guess we're already in the, I ratings. guess we're in now the ratings. Heard the air horn. It's
0: time for the, ratings. we can't do, we can't do much more than just rate this bitch. <laughs> Listen, I want to hear from pace first. Cause I don't think pace talks enough.
2: Okay. I would love to tell you how I feel about this. Uh, the science in the film. Yes. I'm going to give it two. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm I was almost giving this. it a one. Pretty generous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really should just give it a one. Uh, but, you know, we, you know, you never know how bad it can get up in this, you know? Uh, I've seen the happening. Yeah, I've seen
0: Day After Tomorrow.
2: <laughs> and, I mean, th- those were all pretty bad. I think these had about as much quality science as the happening in The Day After Tomorrow had. I don't recall my ratings for those movies, but I'm going to give this a 1.5 and we're going to move forward with that. And so the only really thing that we were, as we were going through it that I thought kind of resembled, Oh, that's kind of like somewhat good science was the entomologist knew that bugs don't normally have lungs and that, you know, scent glands exist. Uh, and those are a thing that bugs have and use to communicate, uh, in one way or another and recognize predators. So, um, I'm gonna give it a one one point five for entertainment. I'm gonna give it a two. I didn't like the movie. I thought the acting was horrific. They were so bad.
0: I didn't think the acting was that bad. It was very I didn't bad.
2: Think the acting was that the bad. only good I actor thought it was, was Leonard. Leonard was the only good actor. Uh, what's what's the actor's name? Uh, Charles Dutton. He was the only good actor. And honestly, I thought I thought it was kind of dumb. It was a dumb film.
1: Well, I mean that's totally different. Of course, it's dumb. Sean, why don't you give us your rating
2: since Pace? Is I just had says to. Tr-
1: I had to try to finish nothing this. but
0: negative things to say about it.
1: Okay, okay. So here's what I have to say for the science, and I'm. You know what? In 2019, I'm switching to a one uh, out of ten rating scale. Oh, because I want more a flexibility with my ratings. I'm not. That being said this gets a 1 out of 10 <laughs> because <laughs> it's uh they're, the science like the most important science was so bad that i can't give them any leeway for knowing that bugs don't normally have lungs like i could ask most people that and they would probably get the, that, that answer is true. right 100% yeah. true. so i'm just i'm just giving them whatever the lowest science rating possible it was a garbage but the movie i'm going to put it in, like, 5 out of 10, like, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It was a very, to me, it was a very, like, if you wanted, like, a suspenseful, like, horror-type movie but it that wasn't, you knew no. was not going to be the best. There was suspense. Like, it was just a mediocre horror movie. I thought it was, like, fine. Yeah. Like, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was awful. I just didn't think it was good. So, I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. Canon. That's fair. What do you think? Since
0: we've just thrown all of our rating scales completely out the fucking window, um, I will, <laughs> I'm will. i going to rate this on uh, on the food scale. So I would say that for the what science – What does that mean? The, but, hey, Kenan, what's the food so scale? So the science of this movie um, I would say is um, uh, spicy chili coke and that like I don't know why anyone would ever think that this was a good idea. It doesn't fly – <laughs> um, it's not the kind of thing that I want in my mouth. The science nice. is bad in this movie. I didn't enjoy it. Um, as far as the movie goes, as far as entertainment goes, I'm gonna give it a Domino's pizza. Like the pizza not—that's f- so
2: high though. It's
0: f- no, pizza's not fucking terrible, but it's not like good pizza. You know what I mean? Like it's not okay.
1: like you know you're settling for convenience. Right, pizza, exactly. Like it is yeah, a yeah, convenience yeah, right.
0: pizza movie for sure. Uh This is a convenience pizza movie. I will say I enjoyed watching the movie. I thought it was slightly above dumb, shitty creature feature in quality. So I'm fair like enough. not
1: a big horror movie fan, but like I was still watching it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh okay, like are they gonna get the bugs? Whoa! Yeah, what's yeah. gonna happen? Whoa. but I also Whoa. was not like. I wasn't freaked out. Like when we saw the fucking bear in Annihilation, I was like, Oh God, what's (laughs) happening? I'm so startled. It was, yeah. Oh yeah. So,
0: well boys, maybe we should, uh, we should move on to some good, good questions. Do we want to do those real quick? We
2: did get some good listener questions. Um, let's let, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's cover these really quickly from, uh, from, uh, Kyle on Twitter, uh, at Twitch, Vladvos. Friend of the uh, podcast. Friend of the podcast and also patron. Uh, two Face questions. Uh, first, can the sounds of insects be mimicked sufficiently to confuse or attract them? So in the movie, uh, little kid uh, Shui was able to use these two spoons to kind of uh, attract these these insects and keep them from killing him. What do we think about this?
1: I feel like with recording technology, we can pretty well mimic the sounds of an insect. Yeah. Like I don't think the mimicking is actually the hard part. I think it's deciphering what we're actually communicating by mimicking it.
0: Right. It'd be like barking at a dog. Like you're it's or, or just like, Oh, I heard a bunch of words in Mandarin. I'm just going to say those words
2: rapidly back to back. Yeah. Like you're not going right. to get a message across. Right.
1: Like, I think if you were able to use some recording device, you could definitely mimic, but it would take a lot of, like, observation to determine, like, exposure what, to it. what you think yeah. the effect is going to be when you do this to the insect. And I'm
0: sure there is, like, a subset of animal behaviorism that looks at this, right, that analyzes the types of communication, um, but yeah. I have to imagine that, like, it's not a base on a, it doesn't work on a basis of trying to replicate those sounds, but instead would be just recording appropriate call and response type things.
2: Yeah. Um, Let's go on to the next question. Is it actually possible to control or eradicate an invasive species uh, or disease carrying species by introducing a predator genetically modified or otherwise? Uh, This is a really good question. I think that we should point out – I mean, the the short answer is yes, I think, because, like, ecosystems are very fragile, especially – I mean, this is New York City. But a more classical example would be uh, like an example within Yellowstone Park, where they had this problem where they had way too many deers and elk. And well, I said deer's. <laughs> <laughs> you sure did. They had way too many deer and elk that were completely just uh, uh, decimating all of the um, all the vegetation in the park. Uh, and because of this, was li- this was leading to more like river erosion, uh, and it led to other. Uh, herbivores not having enough food to eat so what they did was they introduced wolves and so you introduce this new predator these wolves that would then cut down on the overpopulated elk and deer and this completely remedy the ecosystem imbalance Um, Mm -hmm. so there's there's definitely established history of you being able to do this Uh, more than just get rid of one invasive species but actually you know restore homeostasis to an ecosystem sure
1: I do also want to point out that in the context of Yellowstone, it's more, they're not necessarily introducing an invasive species, right? Like No, it's no, it's a, not invasive. Well, the, it's like a species that should already be in that ecosystem, right?
2: Yes. And well, and the invasive, I guess you could argue, were the deer, because the deer can get overpopulated. Um, right. So, yeah. Um,
1: but, so, because there are also some examples of people trying to do this and it just going as wrong as it possibly could go. For sure. Like in Australia. <laughs> yeah, like in Australia. Right, where they actually introduced an invasive species, which was it was a toad, Kenan, right, from South yeah, America? Yeah, it was the, the cane toad, Rinella marina. Okay, and they introduced this in Austra- parts of Australia because they were trying to get it to eat this beetle that was you know, harv- eating some crops. I think it was like sugar cane or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and the thought was like, okay, we'll bring this toad here um and the toad will just eat the beetle and they brought this toad and it totally messed up their entire ecosystem because there was no natural predator for the toads and things that were eating the toads were dying because the toads are poisonous so they ended up with just like a shit ton of toads everywhere and then instead of having a crop problem they have just a toad problem so right
0: i think i think in general like the, the view of introducing what are effectively invasive or uh, invasive predator species or otherwise uh, is fairly frowned upon based on the fact that, like, when it does go wrong, it completely fucks up the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, Australia yeah. Yeah, is a good example because there are, like, a lot of smaller islands on the out, uh, the outskirts of Australia that uh, have really, really high mammal extinction rates because of introduced predators. True.
1: Um, but, yeah, thank you for your question. For sure.
0: Thank you so much. Um, is that all for normal questions or regular questions? Yep. Okay. So I, I think that we've probably said like, uh, too many serious and smart things on this episode. So I'm going to give us a little bit of response from world renowned, uh, world renowned uh, e- entomologist and friend of the podcast, uh, Dr. Robert Augustus Zinna. uh, Please do. the third, he answered a question that we posed to the public on our, uh, snowpiercer episode, which Sean will reflect upon fondly. Uh, where Hated it. we couldn't figure out where the roach titties are. Um, so oh God. he actually was very kind and he wrote into us and told us exactly where titties are located on the cockroach. Uh, and he says, Can, is there any way you could read this without saying titties again? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, so the roach titties are located inside the roach uterus sort of. Uh, they generally make and lay what's known as an epitheca, which is an egg case. Uh, the one roach that does have milk, which are known as beetle roaches, uh, Diploptera punctata, form an egg case and then pulls it inside itself. It puts this puts it into a pouch known as a brood sac. Forms the membrane between the abdominal mm. seg- uh, segments on the ventral or the tummy side. This brood sac secretes milk proteins from special cells. So I guess that, and I'm reading this verbatim. I guess that means the nips are on the inside of the brood sac. <laughs>
2: well yeah yeah eat bugs and then good you poop. to
0: know <laughs> really what i was interested in this uh beautiful segment that dr robert Augustus zinner the has is uh written to us is where those roach titties are
1: oh god you said it again yep you said it again huh yep well thank you ravi for the question i have a doctorate schooling i guess
0: <laughs> oh we got schooled. thanks for taking yeah. us to roach nip school um, I think that's all the Road questions. Snip. I think that's all we have. Uh, the oh, newest snack right cracker week. from from Frito Lay. That's
1: right, R- a, a snack cracker <laughs> from Frito Lay. I do want to say to our listeners um, who maybe don't check the Facebook page as much. I just wanted to say this on the show. Um, we did get. More questions than we covered on the mailbag episode, and we are planning on doing another one. We just wanted to space it out with some, you know, movie episodes so we could sort of keep with the general topic of the podcast. But if your question wasn't answered, um, we do have some saved, so just look for it. For the next few episodes, we might add them to the end or just do a separate. Yeah, we're going to get to it.
2: And same goes for uh, questions on Twitter and email as well.
0: Uh, another fun thing that we do on the show is that we have a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and you look up Real Science Cast, you will find us there in which we are trying to help our, uh, our little podcast grow so we can get better equipment, do more things, watch better movies. Be bigger and better in 2019. We're back in the saddle, baby. Boom, boom. Guns blazing. Uh, But (laughs) Wait, different person. Uh, Totally different. If you pledge $2 a month, uh, the first tier, the first reward tier, is that you can send us an email at realsciencecast at gmail.com and suggest three movies for us to watch. We will watch them, talk about the science, and it'd be really cool for you because we'll say your name. We'll watch podcast. one of them. Yeah, well, yes, we will only watch one of them. I apologize. We'll pick the best one or the the one that is the most feasible for us to extract science from yes. uh, on the show.
2: A daily challenge of ours.
0: We're not doing that this week. We have actually selected a movie that is readily available on Netflix because we're slowly realizing a lot of the movies that we end up watching are fucking somewhere in the dregs of the Internet and need to be pulled <laughs> out or rented in order to view um so uh michael pace why don't you tell the good people this week what we're gonna watch
2: i'd be so glad to we're going to watch the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that's right it's going to be a wonderful experience don't forget to bring a towel (laughs) and it
1: is free on netflix wow Kenneth, what a great (laughs) south park reference (laughs) it is available on netflix so if you have netflix because I don't know anyone who doesn't have Netflix. <laughs> Steal it from you a friend. You can watch this movie in the safety of your own home.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, so this episode, Mimic, is going to be coming out on January 16th. We'll be recording. Uh, I almost said don't forget to bring a towel again. We'll be recording <laughs> the Checker's Guide to the Galaxy on January 23rd and then releasing it the day before my
1: birthday, January 30th. Hot damn. Oh, January 30th. How old will you be turning on January 30th? 30th well i'll be
0: turning 30 30 on january 31st but
1: um oh. good job sean well well okay so then in 2020 <laughs> yep. i'll do that same joke, <laughs> okay, today, <laughs> okay. but on the good. 31st on our very successful podcast
2: yes yeah the yes, worst yes, part yes,
1: about yes, that yes. is i just forgot that there were 31 days in january <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. all right everybody this has been enough
0: wieners and roach titties for this episode wieners and Roach Titties is the title of oh, the
1: show. Let's end the show talking about right. Roach Titties. My name is Kevin Smith. All right. My name is Sean Crossen. My Set name me is Michael <laughs> Oh, thank you,
2: Pace. Thank I'm God. Kenan Smith.
0: No, we're not doing he this. He already
2: said his name. I did.
0: I did. I did. <laughs> we're out. We're actually in the end zone of the show.
2: Remember, right, have, you don't have need do good again. sean's to make good beards, but it sure made some, makes some make some real thicker.
1: Oh my God! With All it. right, we have to do it again really quick. I'm Sean Crossen. No.
0: I'm I'm Kevin Smith. Smith.
1: (laughs) I'm Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. You don't need good
0: science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it thicker.
1: Uh, uh, (laughs) Stay classy. (laughs) So we just do those and then we'll Mowgli. I'm going to fucking murder you. What? What do you want? My, my cat's going insane. Tell him to fuck off. I just did. He just looked at me with his dead eyes. Mowgli, fuck off. I just walked away. Nice. <laughs>